Welcome to Spirit School. I'm your mentor, Danielle Serenk, also known as the Squamish Medium. In this podcast, I share honestly all I have learned about the mediumship and spiritual development journey. My intention is to normalize these conversations, to make way for a more confident, clear, and connected wave of lightworkers, serving the world of spirit with an open and joyful soul. Welcome again to Spirit School. Welcome back to Spirit School. What I wanted to share today as part of the podcast episode is I often feel like, though I love the podcast and I do offer as much as I humanly can through this podcast as far as knowledge goes and experiences that I've had in hopes that you will feel normal on your spiritual development journey and your mediumship development journey, but I often feel that my best work is over on Instagram in my IGTVs, in my programs, in my one-on-one mentorship calls, and in my initiation circle. There's just something about being in the energy with other people and teaching people live that just brings out like the most wisdom, the most confidence, the most inspiration through me. What I wanted to offer today, it's edited because I want to be sure to honor everybody's privacy, but I hope you enjoy this conversation today. Manifesting. So it, I kind of have to go back a little bit. My mindset when it came to money was not good. Like, not good. Like, I didn't learn about money in school. You know, it wasn't money wasn't really talked about in my family. I realized after I grew up that we were like, you know, I had a great childhood. Don't get me wrong. I had a really good childhood, but we definitely were on the, the have not side. Though my parents did the absolute best, like, you know, worked really hard and It was just the way life is. We happen to live in one of the most expensive areas in the world. And it's like, it's hard, harder to thrive here. My money mindset my whole life was pretty much I resigned to the fact that I'm just going to be broke all the time. And I never thought I would own a home. I was like, no, I'll never own a home. I think I got my first cell phone when I was 17 and didn't pay my bills, collections. Like it was, I just had no money sense. So I didn't have any kind of abundance mindset. It was like work get paid, pay the bills, have nothing left. Like that's just how I lived my life. I married a very wealthy man when I was 18. I eloped with him first time I met him. He was incredibly wealthy. He traveled the world and I never saw him. And I was working in the motorsports industry as well. So I was always traveling. I worked for team players back in the day, which is how we met on the race circuit. But I was heavily financially abused by him. And he was very, very wealthy. I I can't even tell you the extent of it. And I think at that time I was making about $28,000 a year. So I think he made more than that a month, right? And that's what I was making a year. And the lifestyle he wanted was very fancy, but he insisted everything be 50-50. So like even our house, we had a penthouse in False Creek. Anyone knows Vancouver, False Creek's like a very rich area. That was his standard of living. So I was broke all the time, like even being married to someone who's incredibly wealthy. And I think, you know, it was my parents after I left him four years later that kind of pointed it out to me how I was being financially abused in that situation. And I couldn't get any further ahead. And when I left, I left with nothing. I didn't even get my clothes. Like I literally left with what I had on. I was couch surfing on friends' couches. I didn't have very many friends because high school, I don't even want to go there. And then, yeah, my best friend had cancer at the time. And so I was staying with her off and on and just like trying to find places to sleep. Like I was like really in this weird place when I was younger. 
I never quite got on my feet. I stayed in the motorsports industry. I was a ghost hunter on weekends and like I did all that for free, of course. I actually think I paid <laughs> to be part of that. <laughs> I just, it was just like a really hard time growing up. So I really, so I just kind of needed to go back a little bit to give a bit of history around abundance. There was no such thing as abundance in my life, right? Nothing. I moved up to Squamish on a whim, never heard of this place before. I, I'd been to Whistler a few times. So of course, I stopped here on the way a few times, but never heard of it. Just kind of took a chance, had this like really low paying job in the city. I ended up finding a, a race car team to work with here in Squamish. I didn't care how much they paid me. I'm just, I just want to go back into the motorsports industry. Anyways, fast forward a little bit. I ended up meeting my husband who was, he's not a very abundant mindset, but he was somebody who kind of made me look at my shit. Like he came with, he was 12 years older than me, nicest, most caring person you'll ever meet. I'd never had that before. He was just so generous, so gentle, so kind, so thoughtful, romantic. Like he just like was such a caretaker. I had a reading with this amazing Scottish medium last week. And he said, your husband's like an ox. He's like this protector of you. And you know, he's 6'4", I'm 5'2", like he is protective of me in so many ways. He came with like no debt and I had all this debt and he paid, he bailed me out. He was like, okay, let's just start from scratch. Let's just start from scratch. But with money mindset, it took me about almost seven more years to like stop continually spending, stop continually you know, spending everything I got because that's how I'd lived my whole life because my money mindset was just like so out of whack. Like I didn't feel like I deserved it. I didn't feel like it was accessible to me. And I started kind of freaking out when he started talking about buying a home. I was like, oh, I gotta fess up to this guy. He's like the first good guy I've ever met in my life. And he's not gonna wanna marry me because I don't think I can even get a house. Like, you know, I was just, it was just crazy. It was just crazy. And we weren't living together at that time, but I ended up buying this or not buying. I ended up renting this apartment I like couldn't afford. And he was like, well, how much are you getting paid? Because we worked at the same place. I'm like, look, even if all my money goes into this place, I just want somewhere nice to live for once. I need somewhere nice to live. I just want to feel good in my space. And so I took the leap. I got the place. And then a month later, he ended up moving in with me. So that all worked out in itself. But what really kind of like changed my money mindset was I started developing as a medium and I didn't charge for readings for over three years. I just did free practice readings for feedback, took all these classes, worked with a couple different mentors, did all these different retreats, and I, I never started charging. And my mentor was starting to ask me certain things, like even my mentorship with Hertz, like, I can't afford it, I can't afford it, I can't afford it. That's why I kept telling her, I can't afford it, I can't afford it. She allowed me to work for her in exchange. So I helped her with the back end of her business stuff, her accounting, like just different. I'm good with systems. So just like her system stuff. So we kind of did this trade. And she actually pointed out to me one time in this one-on-one -on -one mentorship that we had. She's like, you keep saying you can't afford it, right? Like we just bought this big house. And I'm talking like... 2,500 square feet, which was like huge for us at the time. And I couldn't keep up with the cleaning of it because I don't like cleaning at all. I'm not a homemaker at all. Like I'm the worst homemaker in the world. And I remember saying to her, it's like, you know, I really want a cleaner, but I can't afford it. And she's like, well, what do you mean you can't afford it? Like how much is a cleaner? I'm like, I don't know, like 40 bucks a week. She's like, you can't afford $40 a week. And the truth is I could, but I was telling myself this story on repeat literally my whole life. I can't afford it. 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 So anytime I found any kind of like money in my pocket, I would just like spend it and blow it. Right. 
So I decided in that moment, and it's like, I, I did this blog post years ago when I hired a cleaner, I doubled my income. So I ended up hiring this cleaner who still cleans for my house. I actually just gave her a raise this week. Cause I was like, I need to pay you more. Like, I just like to give money to people who I think like really, really, really deserve it. And she really deserves it. And so I hired this cleaner and that was like the first time in my life that I was like, I can afford it. It was like the first time I was literally saying I can afford it. And then I started kind of healing the old story of just on repeat saying, I can't afford it, I can't afford it, I can't afford it. And then after I hired that cleaner and I kind of stepped into something I consider to be quite abundant right away, more abundance kept coming. I started getting promotions at work. I started getting raises. I started having people who I was doing practice readings for that insisted on paying me. It was so uncomfortable for me at first because like I didn't know if I wanted to do professional readings because I did like my career at the time. So very long story short, the abundance really came when I stopped telling myself I couldn't afford it. And it really started coming when I started healing like these old stories and recognizing where these patterns kind of came from, you know, definitely childhood and then my first husband and this like shame that I carried into my relationship around the kind of F up that I felt like I was back in the day, but that wasn't it at all. The, the systems are not set up for us to be money smart. The systems are not set up for us to be thinking about abundant or thinking about things in a non-linear fashion. That was kind of like, I ended up doubling my income in my corporate career within a year of hiring that cleaner. And then I started playing a little bit more of money. Like we would save and I'd be like, oh, maybe we should like go on vacation. And that's something like we never did before. He's like, well, we only have X amount of money. What if this happens? I'm like, let's just like have fun with it. Let's just like spend some time as a family and like connect. So we started taking all these little trips like Great Wolf Lodge. And then the big one was like Disneyland. And, you know, we started just actually having fun with the money that was coming in and yes, putting away some, but every time we spent money doing something that made our life easier or brought us some sort of joy, it seemed to kind of replace itself in a weird way. An example is we have different savings everywhere, but we have like this kind of like fun pot that we have. And I asked my husband if we could blow half of it on like this big lavish trip to Disneyland with the kids, which was last year. And I said, I want to go to Disneyland and tell the kids yes to everything, everything they want. I want to say, yes, you want that shirt? Yes. You want, you know, popcorn at 8 a.m. You want candy, whatever that candy floss is at 8 a.m. Yes. Like we literally flew to Disneyland, stayed in a suite. I was like, I'm not sharing a room with my kids. I want a suite. I want a rooftop pool. I want free breakfast, like literally like the best of the best. And my husband said yes to everything. We got a private car instead of like, we actually had a chauffeur car instead of like taking a shuttle. Like I wanted like these little things that made me feel like we earned this, we deserve this, right? Like we worked hard for this. And I tell you something happened by the end of that year that replaced that money and then some. So I started kind of playing with this philosophy around my, my coach even says money loves a purpose, which it totally does. Definitely love a purpose, but also money's energy, right? And money wants to go somewhere that's fun, right? So if you're like, oh, I want to save, 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 hoard, 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 scarcity, scarcity, scarcity. Money's like, oh, I'm not going to her, right? Like she's boring. I'm like, I want to go to the woman who wants to go to Disneyland and say, yes, 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 yes. And so it just... If you're in this energy where you have this purpose for the money that's going to like light you up and expand you in some way, it just seems to show up. If you're in this energy of like tightness, contraction, storing, because you know the other shoe's going to drop or you're going to lose it all, right? Like these stories that you tell yourself, it's just not opening up that energy to money. So 
when it came to this lump sum that I got this year, I kind of just told spirit, told energy. I just said, you know, like I'm doing well in my business. Like I can't believe year one, like I, I made it year one, like full-time spiritual entrepreneurship. Like I proved myself so many different things and I'll do a whole podcast episode on this because it's like almost miraculous. And I said, you know, and I'm not like unhappy with what I have, but I really want, you know, pay off my mortgage for the year. I want, there was a couple things I wanted, like pay off all like the credit cards I keep racking up, <laughs> which I'm over with now. It's again, there's money stuff that like still needs to be worked out in this like mindsets, right? Of like, it's just habitual. Sometimes it's just habits and it's just like overcoming different habits that don't really serve you, right? And I actually did get to the bottom of it, which was such a aha epiphany moment for me. I have this really clear, high vibe, expansive desire with this lump sum that I was trying to bring in. And I had a different way of thinking about how it might come in, but it actually came in a way that was very unexpected to me. And it was a big blessing. And I've done that a few times in my life. I remember in 2018, yeah, it was 2018, it was the year I got sick. I did a vision board in January and I put away the vision board and I had a dollar amount on there, which was like way more than I made in corporate. And actually that year I got so sick, I got pulled out of work at a near death experience. And so I was actually on disability for like five months and then maternity leave. So, I mean, that's not good money, right? But again, the government, every time it comes from the government, it's like really bizarre, but they miscalculated something and they owed me seven years back pay for something. And when I got it on December 28th, and when I went to go do my vision board January 1st, I pulled out the vision board from the previous year and I had just like over the amount that was at the top of that screen. So I totally forgot that I set that intention and set that dream out and it just came, it just came. And so I think that's part of it too, is like, not micromanaging the energy, not micromanaging, like from a place of desperation, it's using like affirmative prayer in the sense, like it's already here. It's already here. And it's, it's a done deal. It's like trying to sit in that kind of like faith energy, right? So those are just kind of like a few stories I have. I'm trying to like piece it all together because I haven't read a book on it. I have never really listened to Esther Hicks. My coach recommended this book called Creating Money and I got through a few pages, but it's just not something that like interests me very much. So I actually don't know a lot about like what other people are talking about when it comes to abundance or manifesting. But what I will say that anytime I'm having fun, anytime I'm excited, things keep coming. Whenever I'm in like this dark night of the soul moment or I'm feeling scarcity or I'm feeling fearful over something, it just, it nothing comes, right? And so I do think if I could give you one tip to walk away with today, I would really recommend that you look at your life and where you can incorporate a bit more fun and a bit more excitement and joy and that kind of expansive energy. So I have a life that excites me every day. Like I'm so excited to hop on my session in two minutes with my client and serve the hell out of it. And just, I'm so lucky. I got to pick this hour. I got to pick this rate. I just called her in. And that's the other thing too. I, I, I attract like the best clients because I'm so clear on who I want to serve. And when people are not in my energy anymore. That's perfect. Like, that's awesome. Like, let it go, let it go. And that's totally the way that I am. And it just makes space for more, um, more amazing people. And so, and I feel like that's because I am truly living a life that excites me. And when I was in corporate, I was excited too. I was very happy and I made my own good fortune there. And so yeah, the step number one is living a life that excites you and, and makes you happy. That's going to be the energy of abundance. And so just start there, look at your life. What does it make you happy? Where can you trim the fat? And like, how can you kind of step into more joy?
that's really where the energy of spirit is. That's really where the energy of abundance is. So just to let you guys know, like I did come from very, very, very humble backgrounds. I have been homeless. I have like been really screwed over financially before collections, everything, and just completely turned it around by turning around my life, letting go of people who brought me down and were not very kind to me. And then just like chose a little bit wiser next time who I want to invite into my energy and into my life. One of my lessons of abundance that I'm working through is really around keeping money, right? I'm good at making it. I'm not so great at keeping it. I was so unhappy at my day job and I worked in an office tower right next to the mall. Even though things appeared to be really good there, I was just so discontent. And so I would just go shopping. I would literally drown my discontent at the mall. And so on my lunch breaks, on my breaks, I would head over to the mall. I'd probably spend 40 to 60, maybe even upwards of $200 a day there because I was like filling a void. And there was a Squamish author. Her name is Kate Flanders. And she wrote this book called The Year of Less. And I loved this book. And she talked about how she'd been masking a lot of her past pains with shopping and consumerism. And she actually went through an experiment where she went an entire year with buying nothing. Like she actually went through her house and took stock. Like, oh my God, I have like, what was it? Like eight tubes of deodorant. I have like seven tubes of toothpaste. So she was just like, whoa, like I keep surrounding things. And like, there's this habit of shopping where like you buy all the shampoo and conditioner, even though you have like three bottles sitting at home, right? Like we're really kind of like stuck in this consumerism model. But my consumerism happened because I was so unhappy. And I would overindulge on food and I would overindulge on spending my hard-earned money because I was unhappy in the corporate world. And so I actually went the first six months of this year buying nothing. I bought nothing for myself. I didn't buy a stitch of makeup. I didn't buy any moisturizer. Like I used what I had. It was like really kind of like the year of using what I have. You know, I quit. I resigned from my position January 17th. I gave them notice. Yeah, January 17th. I gave them notice. And so I kind of knew that was happening in November. I kind of was like, okay, this is like the end of my road here. I'm going to leap into my business full time. So I started making all these really conscious lifestyle choices early in the year. Uh, So I quit drinking. I haven't drank in, gosh, like over 300 days, maybe 200 days. I, I did not buy a single thing for six months. And my goal was actually to go like 60 days. Actually, my alcohol goal was to not drink for 40 days. And I ended up going hundreds of days. Like I'm over 200 days now. And then I also wanted to stop shopping for like two months. And so I actually went six months with no shopping, no nothing. What's going on in your experience if you're being drawn to do this kind of stuff? Because this is a spiritual work, right? This is the work that they're talking about. Like, why am I drawn to buy this at this time? So like, just pay attention to it. Just pay attention to it. Where am I avoiding the shit that's going on in my life? And where could I do some of the deep work to transcend it? and make my life a bit happier. It is good to get really clear on the things that you want in your life, not just material things. Like I know for me, one of the biggest drivers in my life is time freedom. Time freedom for me is more valuable than money. For sure, 100%. So I'm always trying to look at ways on how I can manifest more time out of nowhere, to be honest with you. But here's something that I really wanted to talk about. Typically, as humans, we do have this tendency to think worst case scenario. We always think about what's not working, what hasn't worked in the past. 
And I will tell you with all honesty that if you are trying to bring magic into your life, if you are trying to bring abundance and time and opportunities, if you are in this mindset of looking at everything in your past that hasn't worked out, you're not going to be in the energetic vibration to bring something good in. As humans, we typically have this like default negative bias. I don't know when that happens in the experience because if you look at kids, they are nothing but hope. They are nothing but the good in the world. They are nothing but what's going to work out well, right? You even look at this around a Christmas time. Like they're not counting down the days till school's any, they're counting down the days till Santa comes, right? Like that's their abundant time. And kids are just like so positive and they just have like this positive bias. So at some point in our life, probably depending on, you know, what kind of life we end up having and how many struggles we have and depending on what age they start, we start to kind of tend to have this like negative bias of life. So we are always looking at what hasn't worked, what isn't going to work, what's impossible, right? We don't typically spend our time and energy looking at what has gone well in our life, where we've made really great decisions, when we have had strikes of abundance and what could potentially go well, right? Now we are always blending between the two. Sometimes we're positive, sometimes we're negative. But if I ask you right now, your typical thought pattern, when you talk to yourself, if you were to say it out loud, would the people around you consider you to have a positive bias on life or a negative bias on life, right? Like, are you always thinking about what hasn't worked and what isn't working? Or are you always thinking about everything good that's happened in the past and that's coming forth? Because I will tell you that to turn from a negative bias to a positive bias is just habits. It does take effort to think about the positive by default, right? I am definitely a positive bias person. I always have been, uh, but I married a negative bias person and he would admit that 100%. I'm always constantly trying to tell him to look at the, the positive thing. Of course, you guys would be, of course, you follow me. You're like, of course, I'm the positive bias. Well, then you're already in a good place to start manifesting. So what are you trying to manifest right now? I'll tell you what I'm trying to bring into my life. Last week or the week before I was talking to my coach and I was talking to Spirit, I was like, I really want to go on like a really big podcast. And so again, I put the thought out to Spirit saying, I'm ready for that next level, I think. And I've been avoiding that next level for a little while. So I'm waiting to see what happens with that. So people want more time. Do you have a clear idea of what that looks like for you? Like what is, how do you get that time freedom, right? How does, how do you get that? Be very specific, more time. So I hired these business coaches last year and I was telling them the same thing. I was like, you know, I really want more time because I'm like commuting every day. I'm working eight hours a day for other people. I have my business on the side. Of course, having an online business is a lot more than just showing up for sessions. It's insane compared to an offline business, which I was strictly offline for my first five years. And the solution that they had was, well, just charge a lot more. Like I think they were trying to convince me to charge like $500 a reading, which uh, <laughs> that is not me at all. But that was kind of like the way to get time freedom. For me, the time freedom, it's interesting. I'm trying to think of how I actually get it because I just make choices not to overbook. I have a lot of people that want to work with me, but I'm very boundaried on how much time I actually want to work with clients versus how much I want to work with building the practice on the side, all the online stuff that kind of comes in. And so it's funny because I set my boundaries. I'm so crystal clear. Like, no, if I really truly valued my time over money, then I have to make these decisions and choices. And however it works out, however it happens, I make more than I did in corporate. And I'm literally like today I have one client, right? I, I got a big wait list. I could have fit three, four clients in here. But the time freedom for me was my currency It is why I left corporate. And so it's not about the money for me, right? It's just not. And so 
for some reason, somehow, because I have been so firm on that and so clear on that, it's worked out. And I don't want to like piss someone off saying, but like how I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it just did. And it just does. And I'm super clear on it. I don't bend. I don't blur my lines. I hold my boundaries. I keep hold of my vision and it does just work out. Solo line clients, at first, when you're first opening up your practice, you kind of like take whatever comes in, right? But as you start to work with more people, you start to kind of identify who you want to work with and who you don't want to work with. But you want to be really clear on what traits, personalities, energies that people have that you really want to work with, right? So I was very clear early on that I didn't want to work with skeptics. I'm like, I don't like the whole prove me kind of energy. I know that there are tons of mediums who are amazing at working as skeptics, like Laurelyn Jackson's one of them. She's an amazing medium on the East Coast. And so she only really wants to work with like skeptics and like kind of prove people wrong. I don't like that energy. It's very constrained and it's very like tough for me to work in. So I had to get really clear on that spirit. I only want to work with like really open, generous, kind, all in people. And that's all I attract now. So sometimes you have to have experiences where you work with people who you don't really want to work with to kind of get clear on who you want to attract into your practice. So just be really clear, manifest that with spirit. They will work with you for sure financial abundance get really clear on that like what does financial abundance mean to you is that debt free is that having savings is that having consistent income you could say all of it but that might overwhelm you right so maybe just like pick one or two goals at a time my goal for 2020 was to get completely debt free by the end of the year and i will so growing your business that's time and just consistency right you show up consistently for your people reply to all dms be in there yourself, generous. How can I serve constantly? It will grow, but it is a slow and steady thing. People look at my business now and they're like, oh, like you're doing so well. And I am doing well. I love the way that my business has turned out, but I've been building it for six years. So it's not like just like 2020 happened and I went full time and like everything worked out. I have been building my reputation, building my clientele, building my body of work for the past six years. So it was a very slow and steady path for me. And I really enjoy how it went. You listen to Manifestation Babe. I don't know if you listen to her podcast, but man, she manifested this. Like, I think it's about $60,000 a month penthouse in LA off Sunset Boulevard. And she's so great at explaining how she manifests things. And what I find interesting, if you manifest something, this is her philosophy, not mine. But if you go to manifest something and put a timeline on it, like by six months, I want this. What is going to happen is you're going to be tested until like month 10 and a half. Things usually come in that 11th hour, much like the money that I really wanted to pay off all my debt. It's coming like, you know, two weeks before the end of the year. <laughs> and I started manifesting that in September and I said, I want it by the end of the year. And it was like this, it tested me. My faith was tested, questioning myself, questioning things. And then sure enough, on the 11th hour, it's coming, right? So just be open to that. And it's really a test almost to see your resolve, your clarity on your vision, all that fun stuff. When I was trying to keep my parents happy and my husband happy by keeping my corporate job, I was making myself sick all the time. And then I was attracting kind of difficult clients and I was attracting difficult bosses and difficult work situations. I had to make some tough choices and take some big risks to feel fully in alignment. 
and it's an ebb and a flow kind of thing. So what I tell some people is like, I, I went through an ebb this year for two months. I was like not feeling, even though I was like doing well and I was showing up, you know, after my cat died, I was just like so sad all the time. And it was hard to kind of feel in alignment. So what you have to do is that when you're in the flow, you ride that sucker and you ride her hard and you keep, you do everything you want when things are in flow. And then when things are ebbing for yourself, then you just have to allow yourself to feel what's ever happening, kind of heal whatever's coming up for you and then be ready to catch that next wave, which is the flow. But I tell you, I just love serving. I do. I'm not just saying that like I love working. I love showing up for clients. It's like the happiest I am is when I'm in my sessions. And so that's how I stay in alignment. I just like do my sessions, right? But I have been on the other side where I used to take three or four clients a day and I would feel so tired and I would be like grumpy for my kids and like so tired for my husband. And so that didn't work either. Things have to be a good at home to be good in business. So it's a big balance. It's a big balance between them. Getting over the past is going to be huge for your manifesting. And it's not like the past wasn't true. It's like what version of the past do you want to carry forward, right? You can't change the past. Do you want to stay in the drama? Do you want to spiral within it? Or can you pick a new truth that is helpful and more high vibration and sets you in that kind of like emotional state to continue on the path in a really positive way? And that's not light washing. It's not bypassing because guaranteed you've done work on some of those past dramas and some of the things that happened in the past, but you have to make a choice what truth you're going to carry with you moving forward. So you have to look at addictive patterns. So what was happening is like, I can attract so much money and my husband would be like, oh, like our cost of living has gone up. I'm like, I'll just make more. And I always did. And I completely changed his mindset, just seeing me declare that I would make more and I would make more. But what happened was I kept going into debt. And so it took me a while to actually realize that I was used to chaos in my life. I was used to, you know, not great partners and like, you know, just a lot of stuff in my life. So I was kind of like addicted to the chaos a little bit. So when things were going really well in my life, I would intentionally rock the boat. So every time I'd rack up a credit card, it would cause friction between me and my husband. And there was like an aspect of myself that was like thriving in that chaos. And so it was like almost addicted to it. It's like when things were going really well, there was like this piece that was maybe like, I'm not worthy of things going this well. Right. So I would kind of like shuffle things up to bring some excitement in or take me back to my natural state, which is kind of how I spent my childhood and definitely spent my 20s. So once I had that kind of realization, I actually stopped overspending, started actually making really good financial decisions and getting really clear on how I want to live financially. So look at where that might come into your life too. So there's a roller coaster there. So where has the roller coaster come in the past? And have you healed that aspect of your life so that you can move forward with some consistency and peace and reminding yourself you're worthy of financial abundance and you're worthy of peace and you're worthy of consistency. So we're all addicted, right? So I don't want people to think like addictions is just for like the select few who had a rough life. We are all addicted. If you've ever tried to quit sugar, you're addicted to sugar. If you've ever tried to quit processed foods, you're addicted to processed foods. We're all addicted. Addicted to Netflix, addicted to coping with wine, addicted to numbing ourselves. We're all addicted in this existence. And so it, if we can accept that and then just kind of choose like, why can't I be addicted to vegetables? <laughs> Why? Why can't I be addicted to like exercise? I don't know. But I do think that it's a choice that we end up having to make. So look at where your addictions come into play. And it's not even just the things that you're consuming or the things that you're trying to bring in. It's like, what are you trying to numb? 
right? So every day after work, I used to come home and have like a glass of wine that equaled like a half bottle as a way to transition from the craziness of corporate to being a present mother, which didn't really work out. And so it wasn't the wine that was bad. It was the fact that I was trying to like numb my stress and numb my anxiety from work to try to cope with the family. So that's when it's like not healthy and that it's not helpful. And I was actually just on a podcast yesterday with She Who Podcast and I was talking a little bit more about this. That's been one of my big epiphanies lately. It does come down to worthiness. It comes down to self-acceptance and self-love. All of it. Do you love yourself? Do you accept yourself? Right? And I don't think any of us could say yes with like 100% certainty because we don't always love ourselves. We don't always accept ourselves. We're always hard on ourselves and we're our own worst enemies when it comes to the internal dialogue. So this could be one of the big lifelong things that we're here to do is like learn to love ourselves and accept ourselves. And with that worthiness and with that self-acceptance, if we make a bad decision, we can just get over it. Okay, I have another decision to make next. I wish I could show you my, my screensaver, but I have a screensaver that I created that just says one choice at a time. Just make one choice at a time. Don't be overwhelmed with two months from now, three months from now. It's like, I have a decision to make right after this. Just make one decision at a time and make one choice. You make a bad choice, forgive yourself. Get over it. Move on. Go to the next decision right? But we're berating ourselves constantly. So it's no wonder so many of us are making unaligned decisions and pleasing other people because we don't even know how to please ourselves, right? So yeah, it's it's like, I'm just done with it. And, and women have it way worse than men because w there's so many expectations on women compared to men. And even men, I was just listening to Barack Obama on Brene Brown's podcast and he was even saying, like, you know, going into the White House, Michelle becoming first ladies, like there's so much more pressure on the woman to like be everything. It was a harder transition for her than him. Expectation with him is like, just run this country. Expectation is her, be a transformative first lady, be a good mom, right? Be healthy, be a good role model. It's, it's so true. It is hard to let go of your habits, but what I want to ask you in the most simple term is just say, is this helpful for me or is it not helpful? right? Anything that's not helpful, whether it's a thought, it's an activity, it's something that you're bringing into your life to like cope with something that you haven't dealt with. Is it helpful? And if it's not helpful, it's got to go. It's out of alignment, but you have to replace it with something that is helpful. You're not just going to like sit in the void and be like, I'm not going to do this anymore. You have to figure out. So my thing is like nighttime snacking. It's like, I never, I, I will go all day without eating until like dinner time. And then at eight o'clock, I want to snack. So I started finger knitting. I don't know anyone who has like little kids knows what finger knitting is. So that was kind of my way to replace wanting to like do this. Anyways, just have that in your mind. Is this helpful? Is it not helpful? Make better choices. Forgive yourself for past choices. You are worthy of a good life. You are worthy of abundance. You are worthy of peace. And you need to recognize that. All right. Love you guys. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Spirit School. If you did, please leave me a review and a rating wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you do feel called to share this with your friends, thank you for tagging me on Instagram at Squamish Medium so I can also share. It really helps get the word out about the podcast. If you're interested in working with me in my one-on-one -on -one mentorship, a reading, or all the various programs that I run, you can go to squamishmedium.com or check me out on Instagram at Squamish Medium. The link in the bio has everything I am currently working on in service to the world of spirit. Have a great day, guys.